Hey everybody, welcome to the Going For Two podcast. On this episode, you are going to hear the wonderful voices of nearly half of the groom side of the bridal party from my <laughs> wedding. <laughs> it's an odd stat, and you might call that our stat of the day today, but um, yeah, that's that's what it is. So Ben, along with you, who was my best man uh, at my wedding, we're also joined by um, a man who needs no introduction, a the pride of Van High School, a <laughs> disciple of Jerry Cassell, and a former rec league <laughs> champion yeah. at Texas A&M. Is any of that wow. what I said true, Paul? S- some of it is true. Some <laughs> of it is definitely true. Wow, that's impressive. Rec league champ at A&M. You know, I think, Logan, we won uh, uh, some sort of flag football championship at ACU, but that's, you know, that's small potatoes compared to A&M. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we would have been able to compete. Well, I doubt I, it. I wasn't either. Let's just be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we'll, we'll edit that part out. So everybody thinks Perfect. you are. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Today, we want to get back to talking some basketball. Being that tomorrow is game one of the NBA Finals. Did anyone think that it was going to be Lakers heat this year? Well, I can't say that I did. Um, Logan, I think I told you on a podcast uh, a few weeks ago that my pick, and this was probably during the second round of the playoffs or so, uh, but my pick was Lakers Celtic. So I was close, um, but close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So I can't say that I did. Paul, what about you? I did not see the East happening like it did. Um, the, the West is not overly surprising, even though I have some opinions about that that we'll dig into a little bit more, I'm sure. But um, the East is a surprise, I think, for sure. I think it was it was an open open opportunity for a lot of teams. Um, obviously, Miami stepped up into that hole. So before we dive any further into the finals, let's fast forward. We've already seen some shakeups start to happen. Uh, the Clippers, when they made their disappointing exit, have now... Uh, relieved Doc Rivers of his duties um, or a mutual parting of ways. I um, don't know exactly what that means, but I know he's no longer the coach there. Um, Several other coaches are free agents now, and um, there's a certain player who won the MVP who may want to be a free agent. So what, Paul, let me ask you this. What do you think is the most surprising thing that will happen this offseason? The most surprising thing that will happen this offseason? I think it's – I'm going to throw a crazy thing out there, and this is probably not on y'all's radar. Um, But there's been whispers from the coaching side of of Jeff Van Gundy coming back to coaching. And I'm going to throw out that in the bigger spectrum of the recent basketball history, that Jeff Van Gundy coming back to coaching might be – not the jazziest by any means <laughs> point, but definitely something that would be a, a big shakeup in the NBA coaching side for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a destination or you just call him that he's coming back somewhere? No. Well, they uh, now I'm blanking because I'm on the spot and we're on a podcast and it's like real set <laughs> of where he was, where he was supposed to, um, where they were already throwing out his name. But I mean, right out the gate with this Doc Rivers situation, that is a that is a team that is talent wise primed to mm-hmm. do something, to to do something more clearly than what they've done, not just this year, but the last couple of years, um, with some different players and different talent on the side. But but they're primed to I mean they're they're ready for the right coach to, to push them over the edge. And and I'm not I have not heard a rumor one, nor have I seen anything about that because it's so recent, but Jeff Van Gundy with that team and the talent level there um, could be a recipe for success. Interesting. Interesting. A lot of people are talking Ty Lue taking over as head coach. Oh, that um, guy drives me nuts. <laughs> ben, do you think it's going to be Ty Lue? Do you see uh, a Van Gundy, Jeff in particular, taking over the Clippers job or someone else? Yeah, you know, I think the mention of Jeff Van Gundy was uh, a very astute one because, and I don't know this off at the top of my head, um, 
but I am on hoop hoopsrumors.com right now. And Jeff Van Gundy, it looks like he, along with Ty Lu, uh, is slated um, as the two possible replacements for Doc Rivers in Los Angeles. And that story through hoopsrumors.com only broke yesterday. So, Paul, you're completely right that that was uh, a take that wasn't even in uh, the sphere of existence before yesterday. So it's a very new and some would say hot take, but I agree that, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, I think he'd do a good job coming in and replacing Doc. I'd, I'd miss him um, commentating. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of, of talented coaches out there. Um, there was a big shakeup with uh, Steve Nash, you know, got his position and uh, people were arguing whether or not he deserved it. And that's not, you know, a topic that we're going to debate tonight. But all that to say, there's a lot of fluidity, a lot of things in motion regarding uh, the NBA coaches who could come in and fill a role uh, like in the Clippers or like um, the Indiana Pacers or other talented teams that just weren't able to get it done with the teams or with the coaches at the hand. Now, obviously Nate McMillan and the Pacers are very different story um, than Doc Rivers and the Clippers. But all that to say, there's a lot of talented coaches that could end up in Los Angeles or in any of the other head coaching vacancies around the league. Okay. So let's go to the other side of that coin. Um, Doc Rivers is out. Paul, do you think I'm just going to throw my hypothesis out there. Doc Rivers is the perfect fit. If the 76ers want to keep the band together, the band being Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid working with superstars, taming egos, um, getting teams to, you know, he hasn't gotten teams to the ultimate level since the big three in Boston, uh, but getting teams to consistently compete and, and, and go far in the playoffs is, is what he's been able to do. So is, am I off there? Is that where Doc Rivers should look first? Or is that the team that should look at Doc Rivers first? Ooh, I think that um, I think that's a good point because, you know, like you, you said, the talent side, the the high level talent that's there, trying to keep that band together. I mean, I'm looking on the player side. That was one of my my you know I was doing some research earlier because I'm not that smart, but I was looking at Bleacher Report earlier. They were talking about some things and they were talking about some of their big moves this year and they threw out um, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as an honorable mention. Now, again, I think I'm jumping ahead of the gun here, but if you want to keep that band together, it's got to be an elite coach, mm-hmm. I think, because that's a, that's a team that's on the precipice, and they're young, the talent's there. They're a team that has the ability. They've shown that in the last two years, not just this past year. They um, they showed some strong flashes, and you can go farther than that. And the, There's a separate weird conversation to have about the process here, I'm sure. I feel like that <laughs> has to be mentioned every time you mention the 76ers, uh, but, uh, at least since Allen Iverson left. But... Um, to keep that band together, that's it's, it needs to be a, a, a coach that has shown um, some level of sustained success. I think that if you bring in a young gun on that, then you're putting that coach in a position to watch that team run off on him. Ben, <laughs> to you, sir. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think you make a good point about it needing to be a coach that comes in and demands that authority. Um, you know, you can't exactly have a Ty Lue with the Cavs situation where he was sort of the, the new uh, head coach and LeBron and some of these seasoned veterans were really more acting as those player coaches. You really have to have a strong dynamic coming in to take care of a team that has a lot of personalities and sometimes doesn't mesh super well together. And quite honestly, that front office, um, you know, is, a chore in and of itself when it comes to the head coach and dealing with them. So, you know, you mentioned um, uh, Doc Rivers going and becoming the head coach of the 76ers. And I don't think that that's a uh, cold take. Um, I wouldn't put that as far as like a, Oh, skip Bayless esque tape take. <laughs> um, but I think that's that hot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, but I think also um, I think he'd be a good fit there. Um, I'd be interested to see some of these other coaches that are a little less proven, um, like a Jock Vaughn from the Nets, who some thought was, was passed over um, for the coaching position that Steve Nash eventually took over. Um, you know, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't think it'll happen. He said he's going to stay in college basketball. But everybody always wonders about Jay Wright, 
right? Going up and uh, staying local and moving to um, taking a step up and coaching the NBA, if you consider that a step up from the what he's been able to do at Villanova. So I don't know. That would be interesting. But at the end of the day, I do think it's either A, going to be a coach like a Doc Rivers that comes in and really demands um, that locker room presence, or B, it's going to be one of those assistant coaches like a Vaughn or someone who, uh, you know, already has a lot of respect from what he's been able to do in the league and the players that he's worked with, like, like KD and Kyrie. Well, and I think a part of the situation in um, there's two other aspects in, in Philadelphia, if I can dwell there for another second, mm-hmm. um, the one is um, because of some of the front office management there, it's, a, a guy with some experience like Doc Rivers might not be the worst thing in the world. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's not the worst. Um, but of, of course, there is always the the Doc Rivers nugget as well of, depending on how the chess pieces move, does Doc Rivers sit out a year or go back to broadcasting? I mean, he was in that seat before Mark Jackson. Yep. And if Van Gundy moves, do those chess pieces align that way where all this um, Doc Rivers talk goes moot because he goes back to the chair for a year to kind of see what the landscape looks like in a in the post bubble back to a normal NBA. Maybe he sits out this weirdly timed season that's going to happen and then coming mm-hmm. back around on the backside. Yeah, that that'll be interesting for sure. So there's multiple more questions I could ask about coaches, but let's get to what people are really more interested in. Let's stay in Philadelphia because this may be one of the more tumultuous um, situations this offseason and do the Sixers move Ben Simmons or uh, Joel Embiid or do they try to run it back what do you think Paul I think I mean it's it's so hard Um, I think that Joel Embiid is the last of a, a dying breed of of that kind of center again he's you know He's not – I mean, I've, I've heard the comparisons before, and, and my, my basketball love goes deep into the 90s, but, you know, the Hakeem Olajuwon comparisons are real. I saw that again today. I reminded that of that before, that he is a he is that mobile big man, but he's still the last of a dying breed, but he he's a he's a stud. He's, to me, he's just an athlete. Um, and I know Ben Simmons is that guy as well, but um, Joel Embiid is a talent that's hard to replicate, I think, in the NBA right now. Um Personally, I think that Simmons um, is incredibly talented as well. Um, their dynamic is so strange to me mm-hmm. because I feel like they're both players that would love to be in the paint. And that's, that's and, and especially in today's NBA and with today's, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm that boring guy that keeps talking about coaches, but with coaching and everything else, I mean, that's, that's not the game that's happening right now. And so to have those guys bogged up in there, and that's been one of their struggles. I mean, and I'm not a 76ers guru by any stretch, but watching them, I mean, I remember in the playoffs last year, even that was that was part of their struggles is there was they couldn't get out of the lane, they couldn't make space because those guys, that's where they really want to live. Mm-hmm. And they they fired Brown as their head coach, but when I you know look at what you just talked about, Paul, they had. Uh, J.J. Redick, they had, I believe, Marco Bellinelli for a season. Uh, They had shooters. They had Jimmy Butler, and they decided to hold on to these two big guys, double down and get Al Horford and Josh Richardson, right, who's another. That uh, Al Horford thing only complicated things. mm -hmm. They they have a crowded paint. They've got a a long, tall, big team, and it's the, the pieces aren't working together. So I don't know. To me, if you put the blame all on Brown as the head coach or on Elton Brand as the GM for assembling this group, there's a lot of hate for Elton Brand right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are your thoughts, Ben? Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, Elton Brand is, has uh, made a name for himself in that front office, and that might not necessarily be the best name he could have made. Um, you know, that pains me as a Blue Devil to say, but it's the truth. And, you know, Simmons and Embiid both signed massive contracts um, within the past couple of years. Um, both around the same value, give or take. And so, you know, they've the 76ers have shown that they're dedicated in some form or fashion to having Embiid and Simmons um, play together for, you know, the years to come. Uh, the Horford contract definitely hurt them a lot. 
but at the end of the day, you know, I think that the 76ers suffer from sort of this over expectations or that's surrounding them. Um, you know, Simmons is a very good player. He doesn't have the shot that you need in today's NBA. Embiid, uh, in my view, is actually a much better player when it comes to position by position. So Embiid is much better big man than Simmons is, you know, shooting guard or three or something like that. All that to say, I don't think that Simmons and Embiid will be able to win unless they get that other piece. And I said that, uh, you know, back in March or so when we had that podcast that was devoted to 76ers, you know, in today's NBA, you basically have to have a third piece. Last year they had it with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler left and look where he is now, right? So adding that third piece is going to be crucial to the success of the 76ers, you know? And to me, I think about how far could the 76ers have gone to placate their fan base if they made it to, you know, the second round, the third round, the finals, and then lost in the finals, you know, what it was a boomer bust. And a lot of the times the way we talk about the 76ers and the talent surrounding that team is that, yes, it is boomer bust, but I do think that the 76ers suffer from having these too high of expectations. And in reality, in my view, with the roster that they have now, they're always going to be, you know, a five or six seed in the playoffs and bouncing in the first or second round until they get that guy coming in. And then they're going to have to offload some of those really, really disastrous contracts that they made within the past couple of years as well. So before we move on, who, if they move one of them, who do they move? Simmons or Embiid? I think quick take, I think Embiid stays, Simmons goes. Simmons goes. Ben, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree as well. I think teams like to build around guards rather than centers. Embiid's contract is a little bit less money than Simmons, so it might uh, be easier to move him. So I agree with Embiid. Okay. So the next probably biggest topic, and maybe even bigger, uh, probably just a little more little less drama because of this star player's personality. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. What what's going to happen there? I mean, mm-hmm. we've heard rumors of Chris Paul. We've heard rumors of moving Chris Middleton. Um, there's all kinds of stuff out there. There's a um, maybe fictional, maybe realistic list that Giannis has maybe or maybe not given to the GM there in uh, Milwaukee and. That's to say, if he doesn't get players off this list to come to Milwaukee, then Giannis wants to leave. So what? where do you see that going, Paul? I'm going to start by saying that I am not at any point going to attempt to say his last name. On this <laughs> so let's just keep that real. And so, I mean, Giannis, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, talent, the, the, the talent that he has should be should be a talent that's going to draw other players to him, you know, and that's, and that's, that's a hard road. So, I mean, I think the easy comparison is to look at the easy comparison is to look at um, someone that's just a, a freak of an athlete. Mm-hmm. And, and there's definitely some comparisons to how LeBron was when he came into the league. He's just this freak of an athlete, but um, it, you got to get players, you got to get players to come there. And man, as much as Cleveland back in LeBron's early days was not a destination city, man, Milwaukee is not that destination city. I mean, people are not chomping at the bit to go to Milwaukee. And hey, to our Milwaukee listeners, because I know that you all have to point that out. <laughs> much love to you, Milwaukee. Um, great city. I'm sure I've never been there. Uh, I do love Laverne and Shirley. So there's that. But um, old reference for the older <laughs> listeners there. <laughs> but meaning, I mean, Let's go crazy here. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, you depend on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go on theories of where Giannis is going to go um, as a, as a homer to Texas into the Mavericks, like, Hey, Giannis <laughs> and the Mavericks to play with Luca and Porzingis. Oh, See, man. Like I don't know if I like that fit. I'm just saying that I think it's a hilarious thing to even consider. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like, I mean, not that Mark Cuban's not willing to, to pay for whatever, but at the same time, like, I mean, that's the crazy town. Like, I don't think that's even, while I would love that, this is, I mean, completely love that, but it's not realistic. I don't think, I don't think the money's there. I mean, there is actually some kind of salary cap in this league and I think they want to keep Porzingis in Dallas. So there's that, but Giannis, I, I mean, this list, I hadn't heard about that. I mean, people, you hear rumors about that with big players often. Oh, they got this list or this and this. And I think the, the more realistic list is maybe where Giannis would be willing to go. Mm. That, that list uh, is far more believable to me. And he says he loves Milwaukee and man, and I love a guy who's willing to commit to a city and make it his own. I mean, 
you know, coming off the last dance and Michael Jordan, I mean, you look at what he did for Chicago and Chicago, the Bulls were nothing. And then Jordan came and the Bulls were something. And then Jordan left. And what happened? The Bulls were nothing. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, Derek, much love to Derrick Rose and his time there. But for the most part, they haven't replicated even close to that success. Would Giannis like to be that guy in Milwaukee? I think but I could easily see him going somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot of teams with some older talent that would love to – that he probably would love to play with. I mean, that's – I'll throw a crazy combination out there. Someone like a, like a Chris Paul playing with a um, – Giannis would be an interesting interesting combo. Now, again, because it, it harkens back to the Blake Griffin days a little bit, but Giannis is much more talented, in my opinion. Again, do I think he's going to go to OKC or Chris Paul's going to go somewhere else? Probably not. But that type of player, that type of dynamic, I see. I think Giannis would be looking around the league. I don't think he's going to pull a Durant and like go to L.A. next year or, or in the next couple of years. I just don't see that. But that, those are just some thoughts I have about his situation specifically. Ben, what you got, man? Yeah, no, I, I think you made some awesome points, especially the take of him going to Dallas. That would be really super fun to see. I think Giannis is going to um, gonna stay true to his humble nature, and he's going to say, hey, ESPN, I want a press conference at 7 p.m. on uh, this Saturday night, and I'm going to announce where I'm going, and it's going to be a huge theatrics, <laughs> you know, just because I think we can all totally see Giannis doing that. Um, but in reality, I think he is – you know, somebody who, so he's got another year on his contract, right? So he's not going to, in my view, be going anywhere or asking for a trade or anything for the next uh, year. So unless a lot just of it sticks out so much that he's going to leave, that they try to get something back. That's the only logical reason. And I don't think that's going to happen. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, you're good. And yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of it hinges upon what's going to happen within this next year. Um, right. If he doesn't, for example, ask for a trade, because what's going to essentially happen is, in my view, you know, if they're slated to go into the playoffs at the number one seed, uh, as they very likely will be, um, they're going to have very high expectations. Uh, and then if they still have that same roster, I don't think they'll get that far. And so what will end up happening is Giannis will be kind of yearning for um, – he's, he's tasted a little bit of what it's like to win. He's tasted what it's like to uh, go and get, you know, a couple MVPs. But he hasn't tasted what it's like to win a championship. So I think he's going to start, you know, seriously considering it if they fall short. Now, if Milwaukee makes it to the NBA finals or, you know, very far in the playoffs, um, then that's another case. And I think that he doesn't look around as much. Um, but I really, really think that that are we winning and are we meeting expectations that factors in a whole lot to whether or not these superstars are content with where they are. Um, I really don't, I can't even begin to prognosticate about where Giannis would end up. Um, I'll throw, I'll throw it in that he'll come to Charlotte cause I'm in North Carolina and he'd be <laughs> the best player we've ever had like ever. Um, Dude, so, Alonzo, man, LJ, don't hate on, uh, there we go. You know, a little bit before my time. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I think whenever get Zoe on the show, there you go. Good job. <laughs> see, oh man, we've had, no, we burn our bridges with athletes sometimes like Tony Romo yes. can never come on the show. Unfortunately. <laughs> burn <Yeah. down. laughs> but yeah, I think, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And I think a lot, a lot of it depends upon what happens next year with their success or not. Oh yeah, and and guys don't. Um, I mean, there's, there's no contentment in the NBA. There's no, there's no. Everybody's so. Um, I don't know. It's not fragile egos, but everybody's so um, antsy sometimes. Like, yeah. I mean, you you can still look back in recent history and say a Westbrook, Durant, Harden that would have got another couple of years together. What could have happened? You know, with that group. But it's it's fragile, man. It's hard to hold us hold it together. You know, and so I think that's. It points out, you know, to say you have a list of players or to say you want to go somewhere, it's like, man, it's a, it's a fragile deal because it, it has to all be just right. I, I think you're 100% correct. And that's why I think for the Bucks, they have had their last year with Giannis if they don't make a major splash this offseason. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for them to land Chris Paul. I think Devin Booker was one of the players on that list. I don't think the Suns would give up Devin Booker for anything, but um, I think 
I think they're they've got a gear they've got to land someone to put beside him and say, hey, we're committed to um, making this a championship roster, or Giannis is going to request a trade. It may not happen until closer to the uh, trade deadline, um, but I I think it's coming. Um, so, you know, Giannis and the Bucks have been chasing that elusive championship, and we've got two teams that are now in the finals, in the Heat and the Lakers. So <clears throat> what is it about this Heat team that's allowed them to overachieve this season? Ben, I'll toss it to you first. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's to me, it's Jimmy Butler. I mean, the tenacity that he's been bringing. And I think that, you know, we see what Butler has been able to do as a whole throughout the playoffs, but where he really came into play and it was very impactful was, was that first and second round. Um, you know, he, in my view, and the statistics may, um, and the points per game may um, not necessarily reflect this, but in my view, he was a lot more influential uh, in his uh, series for the first series and the second series of the playoffs. And, and, and that was sort of the hump that the heat needed to get over in order to say, like, hey, I can, we can really contend with, um, with the rest of the NBA and with the, with the East. So I think Jimmy Butler just coming in and, and having a lot of faith in his confidence. You know, he's, he's hit uh, a few buckets that have been game winners. He's made super clutch free throws, but he's also distributed the ball. He's assisted. He's thrown it out to Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson for the threes. You know, he's he has had a lot of faith in his teammates. And I think that's just worked in their favor, especially when you have a fairly young roster like they do with the heat and a couple key role players that are uh, first year and second year guys in the league or whatever Duncan Robinson is. Um, but I think that he is just Jimmy Butler is bringing the tenacity that tenacity that they need and also scoring points when they need it. That certainly helps as well. Yeah. I think that um, you, um, hit it, Ben. I would, the word that came to my mind when Logan asked that question was tenacity. Mm-hmm. Like the, the tenacity of this team and, and grit is another word that, that comes to mind. Just And it, it stems from Jimmy Butler. Like that is, that, is, that is his character as a player is tenacity and grit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, he, I mean, he's an excellent player, um, but he has in his career often not been the best guy on the court, but he is the most tenacious. And that, and that Man, effort, it's not just an E for effort, man. Sometimes it can be an A for effort. And, and he he puts forth, he puts when he's engaged, man, there's nobody that's playing tougher than he is, I think, when he's on the court. You know, and you can see it, and you saw it in games for different reasons where he's on the bench and you could, they cut to him and things like that. Like, there's almost part of that where you can, like, see him, like, he's just ready to get back on the court. Like, yeah, he's tired, he's winded or whatever, but he's like, he's ready to get back out there. You know, I think he's, I think he's a tenacious player. I think it, if it's the character of that team, like you said, the early that came through early, it it gave they got a they got a um, a demeanor, a swagger about them in the bubble. I think because of Jimmy Butler's tenacity. I mean, they do selling coffee and like doing all sorts of <laughs> random stuff in there, but but it all it all fits this swagger and this this tenacity that he has. It's like I'm not just going to hang around here. I'm going to sell coffee, or I'm not like it's going to be. Or I'm not here to. He wasn't there to do anything, but be in the finals which sounds crazy to say now because i did not think i was like oh man i mean half the east was also rands and i'm like okay these these, this is pitiful and so it's just a waiting game to see who gets to play whoever comes out of the west you know for the most part because i figured it's gonna be clippers or lakers and so it's like there there you go but jimmy butler is he's he's got these other guys to he he gave them the opportunity by by pushing them and I think pushing himself to get to a point where they could step up and do the things that they're able to do. You see these young guys, like you said, those that the talent out there, it's like, I mean, we wouldn't have been talking about them if they got bounced in the first round. They would have been, mm-hmm. they would, the, the way those other players, those role players are being viewed right now is completely different than if they would have been bounced in the first round. And you got to yeah. think Jimmy Butler is the difference. Yeah, definitely. And Logan, if I could jump in, I think that, you know, to your point, Paul, that definitely stems from Eric Spolster, right? And I know, Logan, you asked me what is the 
reason that they're doing well. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and, and give you another reason. But Eric Spolstra is, you know, we knew he was an amazing coach with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, but we weren't exactly sure how amazing because once you remove them from the equation, how would he do? Well, it turns out that, you know, he kept the heat even with some abysmal rosters as a fringe playoff team um, in an East for, you know, the past few years. And so you equip him with a very talented or much more talented roster with giving him Jimmy Butler as a centerpiece and putting people like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, of course, Goran Dragic, who's been there for um, mm-hmm. a few years and performing at a high level. You give him that roster and see what Eric Spoelstra can do. And immediately he is able to use the talents that Robinson and Hero bring around the perimeter. And then for those young guys, when you have somebody like Jimmy Butler kicking it out to you on really, really important plays, that beefs up your confidence like crazy. And I believe Jimmy Butler came in to the playoffs and realized something no one else realized in the East. And he realized that, oh, the East is actually up for grabs. Like, it's just not Giannis or the Celtics that are, are going to run away with this. Like, the rosters aren't strong enough for that this is a wash like it necessarily is and was in the West. He realized this is anyone's ball game, so I'm going to go out and take it in true Jimmy Butler fashion. And that's what he's been able to do. Now, the real question is, can he sustain that throughout the finals? And I think that's, you know, to be determined. Yeah, and I think that some, there's some benefit to be said from, you know, um, come to sit here looking at the roster, you know, and thinking about these guys that have been, you know, where they've been in their careers, especially some of these older guys. I mean, there's some, there's some guys that have been there. I mean, you look at Haslam and Iguodala, like, Man, mm-hmm. they have been there, and not just like, oh, they've been in the playoffs and they've had some hard battles. Like these guys have won championships mm-hmm. as, as like locker room presence, as guys on the sideline having that side conversation, trying to encourage a player when they're coming off the, you know, those pieces, and and having that is is huge. I mean, Udonis at Haslam is as oh, old as the hills. Yeah, he's still, in the <laughs> but I mean, he I swear he was old in two thousand six. He wasn't. <laughs> But hey, man, kudos to him and his health and everything else. But you know, you know, he makes Iguodala feel young. I mean, that's just kind of where he's at. And Iguodala's been in the league forever. But I think that 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 can sustain it when you know Jimmy Butler's grit, along with those guys, sustains it. Um, and Spolstra is you're right. And and I'll be the first to say that I was a critic of Spolstra. It's like man, they just plugged in some guy with LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh, and they could have plugged in any of us three and we probably would have been <laughs> with Pat Riley looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what, I, that's kind of how, it, I mean, that's how Spolstra's has, was seen, mm-hmm. you know, and in the post LeBron days, he showed that he is that coach. He's like, he's a, he's a, he's a guy and he's a winner and he can make, he can draw the best out of players that you put at the paper and you say, this team is not making the finals. Yeah. We've talked a lot about coaches, so let's go another it's so step. boring. <laughs> oh, my God. The coaches guy, he's never coming back to the podcast. No, let's, let's talk some more because we're about to see – correct me if I'm wrong, but we're about to see a coaching rematch from those Eastern Conference finals between the Pacers and the Heat. Am I right? Where Paul George was supposedly you know, the up-and-coming mm-hmm. superstar and LeBron – you know, where they were trading shots and just high-fiving at midcourt and everyone was mad about that. But now we're, we're going to see a coaching rematch. So is there anything to take from that, from what Frank Vogel's done with the Lakers? Yeah. I he mean, did with Walton, couldn't Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's one of those coaches, and I think he's a good example of, of what may happen in this next upcoming offseason with the coaching carousel, that there's there's a lot of good coaches out there who – are just kind of biding their time to, for when that next opportunity comes. And that's what Vogel was doing, um, you know, coming into the Lakers this year. And obviously he has a very talented roster on his team, but you still have to know how to manage that. Um, you know, and I think that if you told, if you asked me who's the better coach, I would say Spolstra, but at the same time, you got to work with what you're given. And I think Vogel's been doing an excellent job of that, um, managing his offenses. I, I think that the Lakers, to be honest with you, could be coached a little bit better. I think that at times it's been they've their play has looked a little stagnant and they've kind of caught by on a little bit more ISO ball from AD and things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, whatever wins wins. Um, so I think, but you know, I, I think Vogel is, um, is he going to be the fit there for, you know, the next five or 10 years? I don't know, but he's the fit there now and they're in the finals. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> do you think that, uh, Frank Vogel is missing his uh, former center 
and Parks and Rec star Roy Hibbert right now? <laughs> He's got to be. He's got. <laughs> Paula, you a PNR fan? Man, I've watched some episodes. I'm I'm, I'm definitely an Office guy. Uh, I'm trying to get the wife on board with the Parks and Rec being one of our next shows to watch. So yes. I'll, I'll, I'll have to come back and tell you if that works out or not. Okay, just a quick public service announcement. Uh, for you, Paul, or anyone that's interested in starting Parks and Recreation, uh, it does go off Netflix in October. So just FYI, if that's your streaming service of choice. But Logan, good reference to Hibbert. And then also, Debt Left Shrimp, you know? Or De- yeah. how was it? Debt Left Shrimp, I think. <laughs> he was on that show. <laughs> and I don't even know his playing history, man. It's That's way before I time. Oh, Debt Left, man. Classic. German before German was cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, what what do we need to be watching for as we start the finals tomorrow? What specifically with the Lakers? How they've they looked rough at the beginning of the postseason and even early on in the bubble, and they've I mean they survived. Uh, they survived um, a Portland team that really wanted it. They survived just recently the uh, Denver Nuggets, who looked like they could come back from any deficit. And now they're here facing the heat. What do we need to be watching for with the Lakers, Paul? Uh, I mean, the truth be told is a, it's a LeBron show. I mean, that's, that's what to watch. If you're going to, if you're going to say, Hey, what, what's, what's exciting here for the Lakers, it's, it's, it's LeBron. And, and I, I am not a LeBron fan and I will be very clear about that. Sorry for those that are, but I'm just, I'm just not, I mean, it just coming from a different era of basketball and, and watching that, like I just, I see him. I see him as a certain type of player that is, man, is incredibly talented, but he's not a killer. But I, this is the LeBron show. I mean, what ten finals? Um, is that right? And mm-hmm. um, he's, I think he's won a couple. I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I mean, that's that's the thing to watch. I think you know, and and it's been clear through the the couple of comments I've made through the course of this that I think coaching is underrated in the NBA. Um, I think that there is something to watch there between Spolstra and um, Vogel just because of Spolstra's experience. I think I think coaching matters. Greg Popovich, um, Phil Jackson, coaching matters. Like that, and, and you can say what you will about that. But um, but I think that that's an interesting deal, just who's got the edge there. But I think that it's, it's a different kind of team. I mean, I think the, if I'm talking about some of these teams that really had a, a genuine chance, the Lakers were not the most fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved watching Denver. That's they were fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, Miami is is fun to watch. Now, granted, a, a part of the fun maybe is like you never know what's going to happen, um, and it harkens back to definitely some college basketball and college football and kind of the unknowns of of that level. And I don't know if it was just the bubble or the non home court advantages or what made this year so different, almost like a NCAA tournament kind of feel at points even, but. Um, the Lakers aren't as fun to watch to me. They're, yeah. it, it, the ISO ball is not exciting. Um, I mean, but that's the, that the the players they have make it ISO ball. I right. Think. And they're not shooting nearly as many threes. They're not throwing alley-oops on every possession or running the court nearly as much as and some of these other Or teams. moving the ball in a way that makes you wonder what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a change-up from – the style we've seen come out of the West the last few years with the Golden State Warriors. Um, Ben, what are you watching for with the Lakers? Well, I'm watching for game one. Um, As I said that, that kind of sounds stupid because it's a good starting point. Everybody's (laughs) watching for game. Yeah. But like, so you guys know, you probably have heard the, you know, the headlines of LeBron has been dropping his game ones left and right. And that's something that um, he, he does from time to time in playoff series. And a lot of people think it's, kind of to feel out the team and then he typically goes off for you know 40 or 50 in game two or three uh so it seems to be working for him but i just don't know about dropping a game in the nba finals um what also concerns me is as paul said that iso ball offense that they run um you know they typically run their offense through ad rather than lebron um you know they'll pop it in the interior you know throw to ad on the or on the um on the perimeter and AD is not without injuries, you know, and LeBron recently has, has had his share of aggravations as well. And so if AD or LeBron get injured and have to sit out, you know, one game or even maybe two games, 
which I think is a possibility. I hope that it doesn't happen, but I think it's a possibility. Then the Heat are immediately in a much better place. And I don't think that um, a banged up Lakers team, referring to one of their AD or LeBron, if they're banged up, I don't think that they'll win the series. Now, if a Heat player were to go down, um, then that is a much different story. You know, I think Jimmy Butler may be a loss that they can't afford. But, you know, even if you have a Tyler Hero or a, a Goran Dragic go down, um, I think they can still rally around the rest of their team because they've kind of got that talent spread out, whereas the Lakers have it um, all compounded into two players. And so that's what worries me about the Lakers' point of view, uh, that and if they end up dropping game one. So as we're recording this episode, it is Tuesday at 6.55 p.m. Central Time. We are an hour and five minutes away from the first uh, 2020 presidential election debate. So in the spirit of debate, we're going to put it between Ben and Paul are going to choose their sides on who's going to win the NBA finals. They're going to give us their best argument, and I will moderate said debate and unbiasedly uh, pick a winner. Uh, raise your hand if you believe that I could ever be unbiased. But, all right, we'll let Paul go first. Paul, you have as many seconds as you want. Um, oh, that's good, because I love the sound of my voice. So there we go. Um, so I will, then um, this is like, as a, so as a, as a historical NBA fan and a, and a Dallas fan specifically, um, this is like the worst because <laughs> I, I don't like the Lakers in general. I'm not a LeBron fan in particular. Um, I appreciate the game. I don't enjoy it all the time. Um, and as a Dallas Mavericks fan, I'm really not too jazzed up about the Miami Heat, to be completely <laughs> honest. But I will choose the Miami Heat as my team that I mm. think is going to win And because I cannot pick the Lakers. No, but, but because the here's a couple of reasons why. And um, I think that it goes well, – I'm going to hit on – this is a recap. So if you're not listening to the whole podcast, if you're like, man, I wonder if they give a recap in the last 10 <laughs> minutes or so. Like, this is for you because I'm about to give a recap of the whole podcast. But tenacity, I think, of the players, the, the character of the players in Miami is, is, is a factor. I think that um, – I mean, Ben just hit on, like, they have so many moving pieces. I mean, gosh, we haven't even mentioned Bam and his block. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't mentioned – all sorts of little things that they've done. I mean, you you can basically go down the roster and about half the guys have made a play through this playoffs that have been has been a, a big-time play when they needed it. Um, and so uh, I look at the, the, the levelness across the board, the, the grit, tenacity they're going to play with, um, and here's the big shocker. I'm going to say coaching matters. And so that Eric Spolster's experience – um, in the finals and his experience coaching LeBron can be a factor in this and how to approach, how to approach a finals. I mean, so this is where my lack of like knowledge of coaching and everything else, but has Solstra faced LeBron in the finals or in a, in a big time matchup like that? I can't think of it off the top of my head. Now the, the stat guys or stat boy will come in afterwards, I'm sure and fix that or something like that. <laughs> Correct me. Um, yeah, our intern. Yeah, we, yeah right. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, I, I think I think Spolster has an edge because he has coached LeBron. He has been, he's worked with him and seen those things. And so, I'm going to throw out those those few reasons as why I think the Miami Heat win this, and it's going to be a tough one. I'm going to say, if, if we're giving numbers, can I give numbers give too number. early? Yeah. I'm going to say Miami in six. Okay. All right. So Ben. It is now time for your opening and closing arguments. Wow. Do I get a time limit? Do I get like 30 seconds now and you're going to make me stick to it? <laughs> no. Yeah. Paul went over the buzzer. So it's kind of like the presidential debate where hey. we just give you the remainder. Of the I went over the buzzer. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think a lot of good arguments there. Um, the Lakers at the end of the day, you know, play this ISO ball that we've, denigrated a little bit i myself included this um this episode you know frank vogel has he's been left wanting when it comes to coaching some games throughout the playoffs but at the end of the day they're able to produce offense offensively and so that's why the lakers 
would win in my opinion um, because they can go through LeBron and AD and they can rely on them for, you know, a solid anywhere from 50 to 70 points a night. You know, they're just that offensively talented Um, on the defensive side of the ball. It also encourages me that not only is AD, you know, a, a good defender, but LeBron, when he needs to, he play, he can play good defense. Right. And so he'll, I'm sure, um, take it up a notch in the NBA finals. Um, additionally, you know, those role players are starting to come out a little bit more for the Lakers as well. So they're taking some of the burden off, you know, the Rajon Rondos um, and the um, Caruso's that are taking a little bit of the burden off of AD and LeBron. So if they could sort of buttress the, and carry the load for a game or two and just let LeBron and AD do the rest for three or four more games, then I think that they're golden. I also think um, that both the Lakers and the Heat benefit from the fact that they're playing in the bubble. Because if not, you literally have to be traveling from coast to coast to coast to coast during this series. And that would put a lot of wear and tear on the older teams, you know, the older players who need those few days like LeBron and like AD to recuperate. Some of those younger rosters, um, you know, we talked about the Heat's uh, – experience and having veteran players but they've also got a couple key role players that are younger their bodies back balance a little bit better than ad and um lebron so having the ability to take two to three days between games um it might be actually truncated now because they're in the bowl but having that time to not spend on flights um and instead icing up and getting the healing that they need is is going to be paramount especially when this series could very much come down to whether or not one of them is healthy. So Paul is bold and he gave you uh, some numbers. I will try to be equally as bold. Um, and I am going to say that he are going to win. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you convinced me, Paul. <laughs> the, 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 the Lakers, the Lakers are going to win uh, in six, 42. Okay. So we've, come to one conclusion and that will be that well, not, there will not be a game seven. <laughs> um, but in my unbiased um, wisdom and by the power invested in me by two and a half years of high school debate, um, Ben, I will grant you that in the game of basketball, you need more points than the other opponent to win. So your offensive argument strong. Um, but, if I'm looking at this as who brought the better argument, if I know nothing about these two teams, I got to go with Paul with the ability of Eric Spolstra to get inside the head of the greatest player of our generation. Um, and then the tenacity of Jimmy Butler and his lackeys to get after those old men on the other side of the ball. So in this debate, I grant the win to, Paul Bullington and the Miami Heat. Uh, nobody, nobody asks the moderator, Logan. We don't want your opinion. That's why you're the moderator. Don't you know that? This is, I mean, Ben. Let's be honest. You're coming back next week, regardless. So <laughs> you really, he really doesn't have to like placate you in any way, form, or fashion. There's no telling what Ben is going to drum up to tell on air about us next week or about me um, to embarrass me. Uh, so True. I'll set myself up for that. Um, but honestly, I. If knowing what I know, I I have to believe the Lakers are going to win. Like I don't want the Lakers. No, that's why I went with the Heat. I don't want the Lakers to win. I don't know anyone outside of LA that wants the Lakers to win, except for Selvin, our former guest and uh, college friend. Um, No offense, Selvin, but you're you're kind of alone on that island. Like, go Heat. But (laughs) I just I don't know if they can get it done. I have so. a question, Logan. I, I, this is going off script, and I, I know we may be wrapping up, but I'm going to go off script. Uh, this is an unapproved question, so it has not been vetted by the likes of Logan Sartain for purposes of this episode. <laughs> but question for you two. Is the championship, does the championship this year have an asterisk because of corona and because of the bubble? I think yes, but I think it's a good thing for whoever wins it. I think this year is let's use the uh, buzzword of the year unprecedented (laughs) and um there's there's no other team 
hopefully in the history of the NBA moving forward, that's going to have to go through what the champion this year will have had to go through. So I don't think it's an asterisk as it counts as less. I think it's an asterisk as dang, they not only won, but they won in the bubble. They during a pandemic. Good answer. Nice. I like that. What about you, Paul? The, the good asterisk is a, is a good turn of events <laughs> because my, my, because the asterisk denotes bad. And so, but I will, I was my, my default answer I'll stick with. And for the same basic reason is, is no, it won't have an asterisk. And, and not to, not to say that Logan didn't bring up a good point about how it was such a unique type situation that to find success is, is even more impressive, but I don't think so. I mean, I thought the same thing. I mean, I was, watching the you know stars and the um, lightning the other day they throw like a smidge of hockey this is literally all i know about hockey people but i was watching the other day and i'm just like you know empty stands and everything else and it's like you know whoever wins this there's no asterisk and it's the same thing with basketball mm-hmm. it's like man if you're a champion you're a champion um and i I'm, I'm a firm believer in that people the the lockout year in 99 has come back up again this year and um, that's not an asterisk year man when when you're on top when you win you win. And, you know, mm-hmm. did you cheat? No, then you won. Like, that's it. And so I think this year it's, it's a no asterisk year. I think that this champion is just as true a champion, um, if not more, like Logan said, than in any other champion. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys giving me input. I think I agree with you, but because I'm, I was a true moderator for that question, I won't be giving an opinion, unlike Mr. Logan. <laughs> so I, I appreciate the input, though. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, it's been a fantastic episode, Paul. Thanks for coming on, man. This is, I was telling Logan before, I was like, should we like even prepare questions or should we all just like chat about basketball? Cause I think we definitely could have done that. And that's essentially what we did tonight. So we appreciate you uh, coming on and we hope that this isn't the, the last time that you'll get to join the show either. No guys, it was a, it was a pleasure and a treat. I've, 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 cross my fingers and look forward to it and i was um jazzed up when, when logan sent me a message um it, it's a it's a pleasure to get to do this with you guys i thoroughly enjoyed it i hope to do it again awesome thanks paul well if you'd like to listen to previous episodes with other guests or guests or episodes without guests you can do so follow us along on spotify or apple the going for two podcast or you could follow us on twitter at going for two underscore pod at going for two underscore pod you can also follow us on Instagram at the Going for Two Podcast and send us something through Gmail, going for two pod, going for two pod one nine at gmail.com, going for two pod one nine at gmail.com. Let us know who has been listening to the show. Let us know who's been listening to myself, Logan, and Paul uh, discuss all things NBA Finals. And until next time, it's been real. Definitely the best guest. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I know y'all kind of say that every time, but I tend to believe it this time. For what it's worth. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's we want we want our guests to feel like they're the best. Even what if we don't I, believe what it. Do fall, what do I fall on the tier of non ACU grad guest? Non ACU grad guest. Um, like am I am, am I second or first? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're either first or you're last. Because <laughs> well, <laughs> there's only been one other. Am I you know, right? Well, you know, it's like they when they ask a coach what is the most important game um, of the season, their answer is the next game. So I'm going to say my the best guest coming on the show is always the next guest. <laughs>